Hello, bonsoir, and welcome to the Get French Football News Show. I'm your host, Nathan Staples, and joining me this week are Eric Devin and Philippe Bargio. What an odd week for Ligue 1 full of goals, upsets, returns, and some more concerning issues. But there were plenty that was well worth noting down for the record books, unless you're Paul Merson, <laughs> because then it never happened at all. But before we look at this week's talking points, here are the latest headlines. Ligue 1's 16th match day was an entertaining one as only one match had less than two goals, but unfortunately, much of the focus was on Mets, where Le Grenat's match with Lyon was called off after half an hour with the hosts leading 1-0. Members of the crowd had thrown fireworks at Lyon goalkeeper Anthony Lopez, as well as members of Lyon's medical staff and the captains of both sides, Guido Milan and Maxime Gonorlons. After 45 minutes, the match delegate and referee decided to stop the match and Lopez was taken to hospital having suffered some hearing loss. We will have further updates on his condition to come. On the pitch, Caen opened the weekend's action with an entertaining 3-3 draw at home to Dijon. Ivan Santini had given the lead twice before a late Vincent Bessat own goal saw the visitors earn a point the result keeping both sides out of the bottom three. Saturday's early match saw a lacklustre performance from Paris Saint-Germain, their trip to Montpellier ending in a 3-0 defeat, the team's worst league loss dating to the Qatari takeover. In the multiplex, in four of the matches that were played, um, in the four matches that were played, sorry, apologies, um, Lille's new look 4-2-3-1 saw Le Doge rise to 14th, earning a 1-0 win at Bordeaux, while Gangomp quietly stayed in the hunt for European football, winning 2-0 at home against Nantes to retain fifth place. Monaco were back to their stylish ways after a midweek draw, recording a 5-0 win at home to Bastia, thanks to a rather Malfalcao brace. And in Angers, Lorient fought back to earn a 2-2 draw, a result which still sees them in the relegation zone, but they are now just three points off Caen in 17th. Rennes continued their good form of late defeating Saint-Étienne 2-0 at the Rouzon. Paul-Georges Ntep scored for the the first time in over a year, and Kamil Grosicki added an absurd lob shot in stoppage time as the Breton side moved into fourth. Marseille also won, turning back Nancy 3-0 in what some have called their most comprehensive performance of the season. And in the late match, Nice won 3-0 at home to Toulouse, maintaining their three-point lead at the top of the table. Uh, Ligue 2 sides were involved in the Coupe de France this weekend. Uh, the draw for the 60, round of 64 is taking place as we speak. And that's all for the news. But remember, if you're looking for any more other than the latest, head on over to our website at www.getfootballnewsfrance.com and follow us on Twitter at GFFN. We start this week with the big upset of the weekend as Montpellier ran out 3-0 winners over Paris Saint-Germain. It is the Parisians' first loss by three goals in just over five years, dating back to November 2011. Philippe, are the alarm bells starting to ring out at the Parc de Prince after this result? Well, actually, no. Um, props to Montpellier for putting out, putting out sorry, a... Um, Extremely spirited performance, but as uh, we discussed with uh, with Eric, um, 
in earlier earlier shows they do have they do have a good side when congrès is back in 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 the side with um was Hilton, who's probably the most experienced uh, defender in in Liga, who's still playing, still playing today. PSG just are having another one of these indifferent seasons. I watch, I watch their games uh, basically every every week, and I see and I see them beating sides who just do not believe they can do anything against them. It happened against Rennes, where they didn't really uh, look that bothered, but. Uh, uh, found themselves 2-0 up at half-time, uh, mainly thanks to Costille g gifting them the uh, the second goal. Uh, it happened against Nort, Nort actually playing the better in the first half. Um, uh, against Angers, it was the same thing. They didn't play very well, but Thiago Costa scored, scored from a headed goal on the corner, and then uh, penalty uh, Cavani. Angers didn't get out of second gear. They didn't, they, they're just, teams are just not trying and we saw that at um, the Lyon game when when uh, a side is actually trying to to play them to press them and to uh, to attack them then PSG are very very much um, beatable so what we had on uh, Saturday is a side with a good defense 3-5-2 uh, or 3-5-1-1 if you want, want to put Boudibouz behind Mounier and uh, Boudibouz is a great second striker Mounier is a great striker they showed that against uh, against Marseille, and uh, I just reckon Frédéric and say, okay, get at them because they're not they're not that um, bothered uh, by this game. There's no Verratti, there's no Thiago Motta, they've got Ludogorets on uh, Tuesday in the Champions League. They've got much bigger fish to fry than, than us. If we beat them, they're not going to be that bothered, and it's exactly what what happened. Uh, Montpellier were much more dominant in the in the sense of. Um, in, in midfield, sorry, uh, you had Samson who had a, a, a great game. Pione had a had a good game um, as a, as a goalkeeper. It just uh, it just happened to, to be uh, one of those one of those games where PSG lost and didn't really uh, you don't you don't feel like they they care. The press conference today was about Emery saying we have to forget Montpellier and move on. But we all know that the players are going to do the business on Tuesday. I mean, uh, is is it even is it even in in doubt? I mean, hopefully, because you don't uh, you don't do such a, such a great performance against uh, against Arsenal second half to just uh, lose everything against Ludogorets. That would be um, extremely upsetting, much more upsetting than uh, what happened on on Saturday. So one to forget, of course. But uh, I just don't see Emery under any kind of pressure whatsoever. Until there's a severe lack of um, of, of results, which won't happen if if um, yeah, unless all the sides uh, adopt more previous attitude, which is just not happening, unfortunately. Yeah, and that's the worry if it does carry on like this. But let's talk about the the game, Eric. And uh, PSG created a fair few chances, in all honesty, but they never really clicked out of second gear again. And they this time they were punished. Was there something they could have done differently? Was they was there maybe a little bit more too much tinkering with Nkuku starting or or anything like that, or maybe because no variety did maybe gave this one a little bit too lightly with that Ludogorets game um, on the horizon? Uh, I don't think it was down to anything tactical. I I do think that uh, for me, what this came down to was individual performances. I think that uh, there was tactical indiscipline on the part of the players. I think that uh, Kurzawa and Di Maria were particularly guilty of this, and Kurzawa was at some points the furthest player forward. And what that what that forced PSG to do was to try and create some balance in that regard, rather than playing the four three three that we know with with Matuidi uh, shilling up and down the 
the left side there in central midfield, and Nkunku playing the similar role. Uh, we had Matuidi drop, dropping very, very deep to cover the, the runs of Kurzawa, and it really stretched the shape. And it, that being the case, Montpellier, again, a, pos a generally positive counterattacking team, themselves playing experimental formation. This this three five one one is not something they played this season. They usually play four two three one or or one four one with Sanson, Shetley in midfield. Uh, but you had you had uh, a Montpellier team who ate that up with a spoon. Uh, you know, again, in strong individual performances, as Phil Bradley said, from Pionier and Steve Mounier and and Sanson for me. Uh, but again, Montpellier, this is a team that has that has a good amount of class. You know, I've spoken about this in, in prior weeks. I think that. They're a rare team in Ligue 1 who take the initiative and, and get out to attack, but that uh, individual performances are what did this team. Uh, I don't think Kinkunku looks ready for the first team. Uh, I think that uh, his passing and movement uh, was a source of frustration for me, and I think also for Serge Aurier. I think I can think of at least three or four occasions during the match where Aurier can be seen yelling at and Kinkunku and pointing and, and directing him to go in a different direction. There's obviously not the same. Uh, ability in terms of positivity and passing, uh, that role would usually be filled by the likes of Arati or or, uh, or Rabio, and without that 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 type of uh, passing intelligence there, if you will, I think that uh, it would, I think it was uh, that right side of the midfield was not nearly as effective going forward as it could be. Um, I, yeah, I, I think it was just really individual performances, and you know, besides that cross for Nkunku, Di Maria didn't do much. Um, Krakowiak, you know, I, I think was decent as a shield for the defense, but he offers nothing going forward. He doesn't have the range of passing that Amato, Varati, or Rabio would have playing that role in front of the defense. Uh, just, just PSG weren't at the races. And I think that, you know, the, competitive, the competitiveness of Ligue 1 this season uh, has been, I think, definitively raised. And I think that the Paris Saint-Germain are too used to relying on uh, Ibrahimovic to bail them out, and they don't have that option anymore. They need to play a complete performance and uh, and and approach things with the with a with an overarching philosophy that is not just relying on individual talent. Uh, it, that's that's you know we saw this I think similarly against Toulouse, uh, strong goalkeeping performance and opportunistic play on the break and. And there you have it, and that's that's just too many times that it's happened in the league. There's no there's no excuse when you have a, a team whose you know whose transfer fees are you know somewhere north of 200 million euros that you that you that you play in this way. Uh, Montpellier again, you know, I think besides Budabuz and Congre, did any of these players cost any money? Not literally, but you know, Montpellier are not a team of means. So just. Uh, yeah, a bit of bravado and a bit of, of, of hubris that I think really undid PSG. There's also a question. What, what I would criticize uh, Emery for is uh, playing the exact uh, front three over and over and over again, where you can almost sense that uh, they are a bit running out of running out of ideas, especially if Di Maria is not uh, is not having a, a great a great game, which happens, which has happened almost all the time this season. Um, why not? You know, it, it really does feel like he doesn't trust Jesse or Ben Arthur to uh, to just just come in and 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 do something else. It doesn't have to have to be basically better than uh, what um, Lucas or Di Maria are doing. It just uh, change change something. Uh, put uh, put Augustine in the in uh, in the team. 
give give Ben Arthur Hesse a, a run down uh, down the wings. I mean, just do something. You, I mean, it's not like PSG uh, just uh, 11, 11 squad players are who can who have to play uh, over and over together all the time. And I think yeah, novelty is is seriously starting to wear off between those those three. Well, you just mentioned someone I did want to come on to, and that's that is Angel Di Maria, who's come under some criticism recently. And and uh, PSG coach Unai Emery said in the press conference today that he has work to be done for the French champions, and some have claimed that his attitude hasn't been the best. And Philip, it's been a string of average to disappointing performances from him this season is he offering enough at the moment and maybe i know it might sound a little bit ludicrous to some but does he maybe deserve to maybe sit out a game or two yeah i think yeah out of out of the two of them uh like we've uh, discussed uh before maybe dimue is a guy who could uh, uh has that kind of uh get out of jail card uh kind of kind of thing going on for for him was that's it Apart from that, Lucas is, is uh, has much more of an undroppable tie than, than Di Maria uh, has, and uh, his chances are, are starting to wear to wear thin. And the fans aren't particularly, you know, happy with what what he has been doing actually in 2016. This is not just the uh, the season uh, this season, but also the second half of last season was nothing like the first half of of last season. It was uh, it just uh, feels like his heart isn't isn't really in it and uh, that he just doesn't seem to achieve anything at all. I mean like anything. So, you know, yeah, uh, wouldn't uh, I don't say it would kill him to sit on the bench once in a while. And Eric, I want to bring you on this. I mean, we've, we've talked about Lucas having been better than he has in previous seasons and maybe Ben Arthur maybe deserves a chance and, and may, maybe Hesse's been played very sporadically, shall we say. Is it maybe time for Di Maria to take his turn on the bench? Yeah, Lucas on the right, Hesse on the left. I mean, Hesse was at his most effective uh, in, Real, in Real Madrid uh, playing that role. And, and why not? Give it a chance. I mean, PSG uh, should do well against Ludogorets. Uh, this weekend, uh, uh, Philip, do you know who they're playing this weekend? I'm sorry, I don't who have that in front of me. Uh, nice, it's a big oh, match. Oh, yeah, 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 it is a big match. So, uh, she considered going, but you yeah, know, too expensive. So, I mean, I mean, that's the thing. PSG are in a tough spot right now. Uh, winning against Ludogorets is imperative if they want to retain top spot because I think we're gonna have to assume that Arsenal will follow suit against Basel. Uh, that's not a sure thing. Obviously, Basel have, have given both both sides a, a bit of a problem thus far. But uh, then, what do you do? I mean, if if PSG if Nice win this match, PSG are going to now be set, uh, they'll be seven points clear. Yeah. I would probably assume that Monaco would win again. Uh, they're playing Bordeaux at the weekend. Yeah, uh, and then you're going to be seven and six points back. Of PSG are a good team, but are they really going to be able to reel in both of those teams? Uh, over the space of the next four, four or five months, I would honestly have my doubts. Um, and I think in that regard that something needs to happen for this team to to play with a spark. And they've shown that, that they can be, uh, they can operate at a high level. I mean, I, I think that in that first half against Lyon, they looked really good. I think that uh, against Arsenal at the Emirates and at home, they looked de- looked decent enough. But in the league, there's, there's, they've too often taken a flyer on too many of these matches, and I think that, you know, at their worst under under Laurent Blanc, this is a problem. But um, this, this to me, I mean, was the reason that Emery Emery was brought in is that 
there was there's this ability to to get the team up for European competition, but say what you will about Blanc. I, I still don't think he should have been sacked personally. I think that the machine-like consistency that PSG played with in the league, and the league was never in doubt, never in doubt. And he got the best out of those players. He kept them happy. Uh, maybe sometimes to the detriment of the team. I'm thinking about the use of Marquinhos in seasons past. That was a little bit frustrating for me uh, to see David Luiz being played in, ahead of his younger compatriot. But in general, Blanc got things right. Uh, you might argue he cocked it up in Europe, but again, injuries were a mitigating factor. Et cetera, et cetera. And then the three five two against City, you know, it wasn't perfect. But he was still getting the team to the quarterfinals of the Champions League every year. PSG were were definitively one of the best five or ten teams in Europe. And wow, would you say that now? I mean, based on their, their form, not their potential and their progress in the Champions League, but you know, I probably not. I mean, I I put Bayern and Dortmund ahead of them. I I'd probably put Rosenbaum Leipzig ahead of them from the German league. I put the big three from Spain, Sevilla. I mean, they're not, their form is, is stuttering badly. And it's, I don't know. For me, I think it's, it's down not only to the loss of Blanc and a, and a changing culture in the locker room, but also the, the, the transfer window. They, I understand that injuries were an issue for PSG. They still are with Pastore. In years past. But the players brought in, were have, have given this team depth, but would the team have been better suited to bring in, say, an Aubameyang, a Lewandowski, uh, maybe a Ronaldo? I Gamero leading that line in the four three three. I don't. That doesn't work for me. But okay. I, I, I'm saying a a, t- a top level striker. That money could have been pulled. I think it was a seventy million euro net spend this summer or something in the neighborhood. If that money had been spent on one player, and I think Aubameyang would have been my personal choice, then then you would have had a team with a, with a defined focal point, and you can play Cavani on left or centrally. There's more there's more flexibility. Lucas and Di Maria can both play on either flank, and that way you've got four attacking players. Aubameyang can play on the wing too if need be. Uh, you've got four attacking players, and you can you can healthily rotate them without having a drop in consistency and performance. Instead instead you spend 25 million euro on a midfielder who's been poor in Krakowiak, a similar amount on a, a winger who's been poor. It just it just doesn't make sense. I mean, if PSG are really looking at being in the top echelon, look at the purchases these other teams make. They're an Atletico Madrid. Uh, they they've built on this because of they built on improvements because they want to improve the first team, not the squad. Barcelona improved their squad this summer as well. And where are they? Struggling by their standards. It's the same thing. That if, if you have a, a sense of complacency in your transfer strategy, it's going to bite you sooner rather than later. Um, just, um, yeah, I was going to say thousands of things, but... Um, um, no, sorry, I lost, I lost it. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I, I can understand why uh, maybe uh, Eric laid on the hurt a little bit on that one, but I, I totally agree that they maybe should have been a little bit more of a... a oh, Neymar, sorry. Yeah, yes. I was yeah. going to mention Neymar. Didn't uh, we try and sign him? And he wanted uh, us to pay his uh, taxing fees or something like that, and we refused, and then he said no. I'm not even sure that Neymar would have fitted in that well at PSG, given uh, the position he plays. 
uh, and uh, stuff like that. Not that he's a he's a bad player by any stretch, but uh, um, I think that was a big coup that um, Nasser wanted to do this summer, but just failed miserably. And yeah, Aubameyang does look like a, a something pretty pretty good. I do hope though that uh, Nisa will go out all guns blazing. That Balotelli will be will be fit for that one, and that they will actually uh, attack um, attack PSG. Uh, little little stat for you, PSG. How many goals conceded at home? One. How many goals conceded away? Ten. It just goes to show you that pe that uh, people the clubs do not dare to attack PSG at the Parc des Princes. Otherwise, they should. But and, will they? and I really do hope Nice do that. Favre do, does that on on Sunday. Yeah, and that's something to certainly look forward to. But there's a big game in between there, Philip, and that's the game against Ludo Goretz. Yeah. They, well, <laughs> this also, is big. <laughs> yeah. 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 We might say, yeah. <laughs> there's a big game Sorry. in between it. That's yeah. a big, it's, it's, it's still a Champions League game. That's what I mean. It's still a Champions League game. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, and, and, and a win that would, should, will guarantee that they mm. finish top. Um, how does he balance that this one with Nice coming at the weekend as well? Do, I know he rested a few for the week uh, at the weekend. Does he maybe give some like someone like Verratti another day off, or or does he try and go for this one a little bit? Oh, I have no doubt that he'll uh, he'll put the same top three, uh, the same three up top with uh, Mata, Verratti, and uh, and Matuidi for both games. Uh, he, I mean, I think in his mind he says those guys are supposed to be playing two uh, two big games a week, and that's what they're going to do. Um, I'd be very surprised if it if uh, if he doesn't do that, especially since you know, I reckon Pedri will will try and have um, Verratti suspended. Oh, he's suspended. Well, that's well, yeah, you know, makes, that's uh, makes it a little easier. That's what makes it a little easier then. So, um, actually, I'm not uh, not quite sure if he would start Kwiatkowski after what happened uh, against uh, against Montpellier. Uh, maybe does he have an app? Does he have an option? I mean, well, maybe Ben Arf in the middle of four-two-three-one, but uh, it hasn't really um, really been um, a success against uh, Lyon or Angers. But yeah, he could he could do that, but. Um, yeah, still, still working. He'll start quicker. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Eric, do you think it's it's worth resting some players ahead of that Nice game, or do you try and set a precedent with this one by getting a good win? I mean, Ludogorets haven't been awful. I, that's the thing. I don't. I mean, they had taken the advantage at home to PSG. I don't think this is a team that we can take lightly. Uh, they're they're a veteran team, um, and you know they've they've been you know. A, Decent enough in the Champions League. They have, certainly haven't embarrassed themselves. They haven't gotten perhaps the results that we might expect. Uh, you know, they're not going to challenge for progression, but they're they're not the they're not a team that's going to get waxed every time in terms of you know losing you know five nil every match. Uh, they they were competitive against PSG in the reverse fixture, and I think if we take them if PSG take them too lightly and earn a draw, they're really going to kick themselves. Um, I know I've said that, that I don't think finishing first or second in group matters all that much, but you know, watch that come back and, and bite PSG, and it does matter. And they get Barcelona, and they're eliminated in the round of sixteen. Yeah. We could finish first and get Bayern. Yeah, which is <laughs> which is the real worry, wouldn't it? That would that yeah. would be. A I, yeah, Bayern are not in. No, I know, you know I know. Yeah, neither, neither PSG. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's between two sides who's supposed to be world class that are actually average good. Mm. It will so be an interesting one. In between, but... in between, but I yeah, I've watched Bayern as well, and. Uh, Nothing to uh, to you know be scared of or anything, especially especially when you compare it to the Guardiola years. 
and just before we move on, just to say that Montpellier, we've we've talked a lot about PSG struggles, but credit to Montpellier for this victory. Big win for them. It was even a win that I'd, I don't think Budapest was really that massively involved, which is something of a statement in itself. And hopefully they can go on from strength to strength in that because it showed just how good they can be. They but, just need to to do something on on the, on their travels. That's it. Otherwise, I mean, if they do something on their terms, they'll, they, they'll finish top half and there was no problem. Even Europe, as I predicted a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's that simple. Yeah, let's hope they can keep it and get it together a little bit. But uh, on to a, a less savoury topic now at Mets, as the fixture with Leon was abandoned this Saturday. The hosts were leading 1-0, while one, a few fans from the uh, one end threw fireworks at the um, Leon goalkeeper, Anthony Lopez. The club's doctor was injured in the incident, and the Portuguese international suffered what is believed to be a sound trauma according to the club. Eric, um, it could have been much worse with Lopez seemingly rolling out of the way of a fireworks that literally explodes seconds later. Uh, and the reps, referee and in, in the match officials did absolutely the right thing by calling it off, didn't they? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think that uh, whatever happens with the match, I mean, there's been rumblings that Olas is going to push for it to be an old, to be a 3-0 result to Leon, but the match can be replayed. I don't, I don't think that that's, that's bad. Although, you know, Mets' security measures, not, not only to have these fans coming in and being able to do this, but if, if you look at the footage, I was watching this live, actually. I and, uh, was not at work this weekend. I was, was able to watch Leon live, not in the Champions League for the first time in quite a while. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I, I put on my Bay in Sports, and they're trying to identify people, and they have... Like five stewards looking at this group of hundreds of people. It's it's obvious that you know what's what's going on security wise. The stats in Florida is not is not is not up to par. That being said, though, I, I don't want to castigate Mets too much. They're not. This isn't a place that has a, a bad record of, of fan incidents, and you know anybody can can be an idiot. And but uh, what what is worrying is this is part of a really really disturbing trend in league over the last year year and a half. When I started becoming a fan of French football, this is going back to 2008, 2009, um, it, you didn't hear much about this sort of incident. But now, it, over and over again, we're seeing punitive actions being taken against fans. And it just feeds this vicious cycle. Fans act out, they get punished. They act out even more as a result, they get punished even more as a result. And are there idiots... You know, hanging effigies of of Alvina. Are there idiots throwing throwing things at, at Lucas uh, when when Bastia played there? Pieces of wood or something, if if I recall that incident correctly. Uh, you know, are, are there Leon fans throwing fireworks and you know a steward uh, loses a couple of fingers as a result? Not not trying to play play down any of these incidents or necessarily compare them to each other, but it, it's. It's it's a serious issue. I mean, Bastia having to play matches behind closed doors in, in the recent past as well. Um, there's a, a multitude of clubs across the league, so you can't point to, oh, these fans are bad, oh, these fans are bad. There's a half dozen teams that have had multiple problems. Uh, not the same thing, the fans trying to break into the, the president's box uh, against Toulouse the other month. And it's just, it's simply a matter of these these fans being treated for, for lack of a better word, I mean, like caged animals, and you know, you, you poke the tiger and it responds. I'm not saying the fans are blameless. I think that they need to, uh, 
they need to consider their own actions and, and also, you know, enforce things themselves. I do understand that the, the fans who did this at Mets were, were identified and caught. So, you know, well done to the, to the majority of the fans there who aided the, the stewards and aided the police in, in, in catching this, this, this person or persons. Um, but, I mean, I don't know. It, it's, it, 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 it boggles the mind that things would happen in that way, that there's just a, there's a lack of empathy for the for for the average average fan, and and it it's borne out in in this this level of extreme frustration, which manifests itself in very ugly ways. And I, I don't, I'm not sure what the answer is, but it's it's an increasingly toxic situation in France. And I honestly think that we're not too far away from, again, not trying to downplay the incident with the steward and the firework at the weekend, or the or the incident where the where the steward and Leon lost their fingers, but from a really serious issue, like, you know, pe people being seriously injured or, or maybe even killed as a result of this. And I don't know. I, I don't know what the answer is, but I think that the, the LFP and, and Liga really need to look at, 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 the, at fan culture in France and to make, and to make things, to make things make more sense for the fans. Yeah. Well, would that, was that, what would that be? Would that be more more um, more lenient security? I mean, more sensible security from the stewards? Would that be uh, better kickoff times? I mean, uh, we, I mean, you tell me, Philip. I mean, I know you're not an, an ultra, but as a fan of French football, who who goes to these matches? Who goes to matches in Ligue 1 and Ligue 2? What do you feel some of the grievances are? Is it ticket prices? Is it sale of players? Is it is it you know, access to the stadium. I think it's um, it's it's basically uh, first of all, it is uh, one thing that needs to be said is that uh, people really don't go to games in in France, and that the ones who do, especially on a Saturday evening, are the hardcore ones. So the Mets, the Mets guys who were through um, through um, fireworks to uh, towards Antony Antony Lopez and uh, Lyon's team doctor uh, were ultras from a. Um, from a notoriously uh, white wing white wing group, um, and uh, then the Lyon fans, uh, of course, uh, reacted. So I, I'm I, I really don't think there's that much uh, that much of a problem um, because most of the people, the violent sorts, go go to the ground when no no families are actually around. Um, for example, on a Saturday evening. Um, and not not a lot of people will be will, will be watching this live uh, either. So I think it's it's basically a case of uh, telling the ultra groups elect uh, your leader and tell them basically tells them to behave. That's that's basically what 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 I reckon because those incidents are really few and far between. When's the last time we've had some some kind of incident? Was that what three years ago? No, when the yeah. the steward and Leon got his fingers blown off, that was last year, the year before. Yeah. The, the, what game was this? Ah, uh, yeah. oh, I'm trying to think of it as well. Um, but the, the, it's just the point that uh, thinking, obviously, uh, I'm coming from a, a a a part of English football where uh, back in back in the eighties and bits like that, there was a lot of problems. But the first uh, yeah. derby last year. Yeah, there yeah. Yes, Against was, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So a year ago. Mm. It's, this is the thing, Philip. In my perception, I mean, again, you're, 
how old are you? 30. 30. So you've been watching French football for a much longer time than I have. You know, I'm, I'm 32, but I only started watching French football eight, eight, nine years ago. So in my perception, this has gotten a lot worse. Maybe things weren't as bad as they were, say, in England in the 80s or in, in the mid-90s in France when, when maybe you first were, were, were watching football. But it was much worse before. <laughs> There's absolutely no comparison. I mean, uh, PSG had two ultra clubs. One was, uh, uh, one was right wing, one was left wing, and they kept killing each other. Uh, literally, well, one one guy died just before uh, a classical. Um, so no, it was it was much worse. And I still I still think those uh, those events are uh, from people who who want to fight between uh, between each other, um, and uh, that it's still still uh, still about uh, a minority of, of football fans that uh, that wish that um, stadia and uh, much going much going people were more violent than they actually are because most of the people are actually quite happy to go out there and just support their team. Most most of the time in silence, yes, but uh, just uh, just you know just go out and uh, have a have a nice time. As the as the ultimate mentality would be a bit more Italian than than German. It would be uh, it wouldn't be they wouldn't they wouldn't consider this as their uh, duty to put atmosphere inside the ground with the uh, with the flares and stuff with the. Um, what's it called um, the capo um, telling telling the sorry. Oh, the, the tifos. Yeah, um, but I mean, they, they do do that. But uh, a lot of um, members of those groups think that, like, they because because they they shave their head and uh, you know uh, and wear scarves to to cover their mouth. That they're you know uh, very hard uh, hard people and uh, just uh, uh, you can't mess with them. You can't talk with them. When really, I mean, they're, they're just uh, like every every everybody else. But, uh, why I compare the town to Germany is that Italian much more violent. Um, having having been in Germany for two years, I mean the the ultras do do consider this as a duty to just uh, put some put some flares about, tell tell the uh, the away and what to sing, and just just go out uh, without too much uh, you know too much hassle. No no real no real violence. I don't I don't I I haven't. Um, Seen much uh, much violence in in the many grounds I've been in Germany. I think this is where the uh, the ultra groups need to need to um, take take a step back and, and and think. Okay, we just want to have we we just want to ensure that there's a bit of atmosphere in in the in the stadium, and that's it. But um, yeah. It's uh, like I said. I don't think it's that much of a problem in France. Uh, I I think as the, the incidents are not as um, frequent as they uh, as they are, and um, yeah, maybe that will change with the punishment the uh, the LFP is wanting to to give on Thursday, though. Yeah, I do. I do want to make the point that I hope it's it's a pretty solid one because we 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 while they have been maybe minor in some occasions, but there has been enough incidents from in the recent past at least to to make you think about it. I mean, there's there was Marseille obviously had the issues with the crowd trouble, and that had they had a couple of game was it a game without fans in the stadium if I remember rightly from last year. We definitely had a topic Something on it. Like that. Uh, the, there was the that, and there was. There were also their fans uh, destroying ta that cafe in Groningen. The video yeah. footage of that was particularly ugly. 
Exactly, and the, and there was the, the like Eric's already mentioned the the incident with the with the steward. There was the incident with the Nantes fans um, trying to break into the president's um, box. There's the incident. Uh, it's a very minor one, but the one at Bastia where uh, they attempted to strike Lucas with the with the um, wooden stick as well. There's just little flare ups every so often that. Uh, yeah, it, especially from an English point of view as well, and I know it's it sounds strange saying that because we've had issues in the past, but I, I'm a little bit too young to to have been there for that. But it just feels like there's going to be, like Eric says, maybe not a tipping point. Hopefully, not as serious as as we worry about, like in places like that you see in Argentina sometimes. But hopefully, the punishment is severe enough. It'd be a shame to the club, but severe enough to deter this from happening again. Because, like, I, I agree. I think the LFP and, and Liga and the ultras of clubs, uh, especially, need to have a chat and and discuss what how they should move forward to make it a better place for people to go to and make and it will hopefully attract more fans. Then, because that is probably pushing some people away, even though these kickoffs are at absurd I, I times as well. Yeah, I don't. I don't. It's, it's as uh, as frequently. It uh, it just uh, is a disincentive for the families to 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 go to ground. As, I mean, there's such a such a lack of match going culture in this country that, uh, of course, you, you don't need idiots to throw flares at goalkeepers to entice you to or to to go to a game. But uh, there's still you still need to be a proper hardcore to be attending that uh, that type of uh, that type of game uh, on a Saturday evening. What do we think or hope the punishment will be? I think uh, a replay behind closed doors probably makes the most sense. It, it's uh, it's appalling behavior, especially considering it, it could potentially damage Lopez's health permanently. Mm. Uh, Apparently, but again. Know. Well, I mean, it, it says that there's no damage to his eardrums, but he does have significant hearing loss. Mm. I mean, that could potentially affect his balance, yeah. which could potentially affect the rest of his career. Yeah. I think a replay behind closed doors probably makes the most sense, uh, which is a shame also, I should say, for the, for the youngster, um, uh, Hein, who really scored a, a really impressive goal, yeah. uh, and which got overshadowed. You know, Mets... It was Mets were playing well. I'm, I'm, that's that's the crazy thing. Yeah, that's what that's 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 what really um, bothers me as well. Is that uh, you know Mets could have beaten Lyon uh, a couple of days after getting absolutely uh, killed by Nancy four 0 in in midweek, and they could have they could have won against Lyon. It could have been a, a, a you know really really good really good results. This is what what is most infuriating because the fan that only I mean he 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 maybe. Um, he may have impaired uh, Lopez's hearing, which is quite important for a goalkeeper. But you know, also he he cost his his club three points, which I'm pretty sure he didn't want to do before you know before seeing off to the to the stadium. No, and it, I, I, I'm going to agree with Eric. I hope they have a replay behind closed doors. I think gifting the game to Leon is a little bit too much punishment on the players and the and the staff. I maybe would be tempted to res to stop away fans for a couple of games as well. I, I don't think closing the entire stadium is is fair enough on those 99 percent of fans that perform. That's what Liège did in uh, Belgian side. Liège, they uh, they, uh, f uh, they have stopped um, selling away tickets to their fans because of what happened in that game. This uh, this weekend, I'm I'm practically convinced that you will get a three 0 win, um, 
uh, Asuina win, uh, you know, off off the pitch that uh, Mets will not play Lyon again. To me, it's not punishment enough to have a game behind behind closed door, uh, because if you have Mets against Lyon, I mean, is it, is, it, is this what you're saying, right? Is that uh, they choose a date to play Mets versus Lyon, the full 90 minutes behind closed doors? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, uh, I think that's actually no punishment at all because all all the money taken from from the home game on Saturday has been has been earned, and um, and uh, you will be obviously they uh, will be delighted because they get a chance of of playing uh, at, at Mets uh, with uh, with no fans and potentially no flares being thrown at that their at their goalkeeper, and uh, trying to 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 win to win this game. Which which it could have been, but uh, not only am I convinced that they don't get uh, don't get the sweep points given on a plate by uh, by the LFP, but I also think that uh, if um, if uh, fans are going to to change, I think a point deduction is in order. Now I wouldn't mind uh, game to resume where it stopped on Saturday evening, and then you get a mild point deduction from it, like two to five points or something like that. Which is massive, you know, for a club that wants to stay in Liga. That's not bad. I mean, it doesn't. The three 0 win obviously does benefit Leon directly. I don't necessarily know that there should be, even as a Leon fan, there shouldn't be necessarily a, a benefit for the team yeah. who's negatively affected. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's not a that's not a bad solution either, Philip. Um, do you do we recall when the last time a match was was called off entirely due to? Due to fan incidents in Liga? Not entirely. A long time ago, I think it involved Strasbourg when they when they almost went down at the end of the nineties, being of the two thousands, uh, and they got uh, I, I think it was a flare thrown at, at a lineswoman um, during uh, back then. Uh, we actually had uh, Jose Luis Schilavet playing for for Strasbourg. There were huge huge problems in in the stands. I think Strasbourg got a ten point deduction or something like that. But yeah, I mean, I do I do believe that uh, it'll be quite tough. On Mets, and I, I wouldn't put uh, points deduction uh, beyond beyond them to do that. And I think it would be fair enough. I mean, maybe the fans would realise and say, okay, maybe we have to stop doing that. But knowing knowing also that some fans stupidly just throw things at opposition player, um, sometimes you know, just just because they they have a different shirt, they just throw it at them because they're with yeah. they, they are within touching distance. You, you don't do that in the UK. You know, you don't have all these uh, these long. Um, uh, grids alongside the the, um, the the stand that separate the uh, the fans from from the pitch. I mean, a, a fan can basically walk on the pitch whenever he wants. Well, he has to get past a, a steward, of course. But uh, it it just it does it does happen. I mean, it does happen. Most of the time, it doesn't reach a player. This time, this time it did. But you know, it just it it, it just happens as well. And if if we start putting in place all those points deduction kind of stuff, maybe they'll start to uh, maybe they'll start to um, to to think. I, I would very much like to know what the punishment will be for the guy who actually threw the flare. I mean, is it just going to be uh, he's going to be forbidden to to attend games for a couple of a uh, couple of months, couple of years, or is it for life? I which would life. <laughs> yeah, me too. Which would be the case 100% in England and Germany, but you know we 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 are extremely reliant on that on that uh, lenient, sorry on that uh, on that kind of uh, uh, punishment. We just say, okay, well, it, it's almost as if we say, please don't do it again. You can go back, but please don't do it again. What is he going to say? He's going to say, all right, well, I didn't get a fine. I can I can go uh, I can wait in a couple of months and then go back to the ground and do the exact same stupid thing. Yeah. Uh, let, which let's, is yeah. 
Let's move on to something a little, at least a little bit more positive, and that's very, very quickly on Leon's Champions League game that comes up this week, Eric. Uh, uh, they need a win, really. I mean, the two-nil win will see them through again as they play severe, and it's going to be a tough one. Especially, it, it is away from home, isn't it? I'm, I'm getting that right. It's no, it's at the Parco Wild. Says at Parco. Uh, so it makes that makes it a little bit easier, at least. But uh, Eric, it's still going to be a tough fixture, and um, they really have to. Did they really, really go for this one? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, what's to lose? The Europa League is 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 assured, um, and I think I think that it makes sense that. It, well, and again, this is like just like last year. They could have progressed. They had the destiny in their in their hands up until the last match or next to last match. Um, they've got Ren at the weekend. It's also a big game. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, but I mean, again, Sevilla are, are in good form. I, I think that they're, you know, uh, and Zonti's had a, a massive season. Uh, and I know Sevilla lost at the weekend, but I think that was down to playing a rotated side. So Sevilla are going to be hungry for this and they're going to, they're going to attack and, and go for it with the same aplomb that we've seen them from them all season. I've seen Sevilla play five times this season maybe uh and they've looked they've looked strong every time even though sometimes they, don't, they haven't they haven't got the results this is a very energetic exciting team under Sampali and I, I don't think that uh I don't fancy Leon's chances I, I think that uh I'd probably say like a 1-1 draw would be my, my prediction if I had to offer that up I'd say 1-0 yeah, I think it could be a really. I, I actually think this one could be a really exciting game if they both maybe press on. But let, let's move on to another team in Champions League's action who returned to winning ways at the weekend with a 5 0 at Bastia, and that's Monaco. And the star in this one was really Manuel Falcao, who scored two and had an assist, although he did have a pretty big hand in the first goal with uh, Jean-Louis Lecca really making a superb save from his strike before Kylian and Bat bundled it in. Uh, Philip, is he getting back to his best now or is he at least very close to being there I think he's uh, very efficient the most efficient he we've uh, we've seen in seen him in a Monaco uh, Monaco kit but uh, you know what I'm going to be extremely severe and not give him or uh, Guido Carrillo uh, any sort of uh, credit or actually very uh, very little credit I think this Monaco side is absolutely amazing uh, mainly due to their midfielders or or midfield strikers. I'm I'm um, putting Germain in that uh, in that category. I think having the likes of uh, of Bernardo Silva and Lemar in particular, they're having wonder a wonderful wonderful season. Um, this is this four four two is absolutely absolutely terrorising uh, defence all uh, all over the country. I mean they've they've almost scored fifty goals after after less than in less than the first half of the season, which is um, absolutely, absolutely amazing. But you know they do, they do need to play to stick the ball in the back, isn't it? And they're doing that. I mean, they're scoring lots and lots of goals. Um, and um, yeah, Foucault is not uh, not that far. I mean, he scored, he scored half the goals. Cavani scored, um, Korea as well. So yeah, they do, they do have uh, two two players who who actually um, who actually uh, getting on the scoreline most uh, most weekends. But again, great work from the midfield. Especially Bernardo Silva and uh, Lemar. Eric, what do you think to the Colombian's current form? I mean, he scored plenty of goals in the last couple of games, and Lemar was excellent in this one. But he, he put in two really nice finishes and and really got himself involved in in the game at the weekend. And 
I'm, I'm, while he's still maybe lost an inch of pace, there's still definitely that instinct and that striker's instinct in him, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I also think that the thing, the moment this season when I've said, yes, Falcao is back, is when he came on against Lorient, uh, was, uh, I guess, about three weeks ago, and he scored off, I think, his first or second touch. Uh, since then, for me, his movement and his striking and his link-up play, uh, with whether it's Carrillo, Mbappe, Latin, or, or um, uh, Germain alongside him, uh, he's he's just been playing on another plane. He looked sharp, I should say, at the beginning of the season um, against uh, Villarreal and Fenerbahce in those those playoff matches. Uh, but then, you know, he had the concussion. He had he had some other injuries that he had to deal with, and he hasn't really uh, been back for full fitness until about six weeks ago. Now he he didn't uh, he only made his. I think third start of the season uh, in early October in week 10. But since then, he's been a regular in the team. He's been undroppable and he scored, oh, would that be six goals in his last six match or five or seven matches, uh, as well as two assists. And I think uh, bearing that out, I, he's, he looks probably still not quite at the level he was at Porto and Atletico, but um, I, I think he looks. I would pro- I would say probably to be probably the form striker in France right now. I know Cavani has more goals, but in terms of actual quality on the pitch and in terms of team play, uh, that that's right on my Falcao. And this is incredible that uh, you know Monaco are getting this done with three strikers in Carillo, uh, Germain, Mbappe, Lautin, and four even I guess with with then uh, that were not even a part of a consistent part of the first team last year. And Mbappe Lautin wasn't wasn't being picked regularly until the very end of the season. Uh, Falcao was on loan. Germain was on loan. Uh, Carrillo was an afterthought. And now we have this radically new system from Menard Jardim, and we have um, we have him getting the absolute best out of out of four players. And again, we said this last week. You know, well done to. To Jardim, he's not only been incredibly flexible, but he's continuing to improve these players. Even at a point in their careers when we, many people, I mean, maybe yourself, Nathan, would, would have had a first-hand view to this, but we might have implied that they were washed up. Uh, so, you know, credit. If you, if, if you have an already strong Monaco and you're adding to it a, a player who can approach uh, the, the literally world-class level he was uh, during his spell at, at Atletico and his last couple of years in Porto, uh, then, I mean, Monaco are as dangerous as any team in in Europe right now. Yeah, and just talking about that, there was two loan spells. I mean, at Manchester United, there was moments where, especially at the very start, you thought, well, maybe there's something there. He's clearly lost a little bit. The knee injuries, you can tell that even now, it's it's taken half a yard off his pace. Uh, the instincts were, were there, but it, they weren't there consistently enough, which little setbacks and injuries hiccups pushed him further and further back at Chelsea it was yeah, it was the probably the most absurd loan deal I've seen in a long while other than maybe the Pato one they made in the same season where it seems they brought them in for token sake more than anything that, that he had a name let's bring him in let's see what he can do but he's really really bounced back I'm really pleased for him that he's bounced back to the not he's clearly I don't think he'll ever reach the absolute superstar level that he was at, at Atletico Madrid especially but it's good to see a player that has looked like he's really really worked hard and has said that I might as well stay at Monaco now that my options are that limited is there going to be options somehow I think he feels like he owes Monaco something for giving him this chance this might be the club he plays for for at least the rest of his 
Um, let's say the last of his peak, if you can really call it his peak at the moment. But How old is he? I think 30. Yeah, 30, well. 30. So uh, hopefully he can carry seasons, probably. Yeah, and I, I think he can grow with he can help this team continue to grow with the young players they've got in it. But I just want to talk obviously the the Champions League game is a little bit of a, a dead rubber with with Leverkusen both being through and and Monaco unless uh, I think they are top of the table aren't they? They guaranteed that it's not, yeah. or is it a math? One of those, if it's a ma- mathematical n- anomaly, they might be. You know? No, they're four points clear. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. So that's absolutely fine. So that's a that's that's a dead rubber throw then. But very quickly on on Bastia, Eric, they've they've been in middling again this season. It's been games decent results. They got a draw in midweek against Bordeaux, but they had three draws in a row before then. But a, a thumping from Monaco, a, a loss to Lille. They, they're not in the most precarious position at this moment, but are these maybe one of the maybe six, seven, eight sides that are going to be... Because they're hovering above those bottom two with Lorient surging as well. They need to be looking over their shoulder now, surely, don't they? Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I mean, they've got they've got Bastia at the weekend. So, I mean... or they, Sorry, they have Mets at the weekend. Um, so, there's, you know, there's perhaps a chance to pick up some points against a direct rival. And... But, uh, yeah, it, it's what's frustrating for me is that this team generally had, had been in the past, built their reputation around a solid defense. But uh, watching that match uh, from uh, Saturday, it was, a lot, it was a lot down to individual errors, which was doubly frustrating given that Bastia had set up to be overly defensive. They played uh, five at the back, three at the back, uh, a more defensive, defensively oriented uh, lineup and, um, and again, they've still struggled with injuries. Um, uh, Jiku was back, I think, for the first time since breaking his arm, uh, and he had looked really bright earlier in the season. Bastard looked really good. Uh, they were also without um, Sam Maximin, who I believe was suspended on Saturday. I think he's had a good start to the season. So there's still there's still a little bit to be sorted out. Uh, visit in Scalacci, of course, is a, I think is a big miss not only for his on pitch performances but his leadership. Uh, Mustafa was also rested at the weekend, if I recall. Uh, just rotated, not not injured or anything. Um, so there's still there's still more to come from this team, I think. Um, but hopefully they don't get cut too far adrift, um, and they can sort of reorient themselves and 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 you know get back to being the team that they were last season. Uh, because I think the players are there. I think that uh, they've just the long lengthy suspension to Crivelli as well. There's been a lot of mitigating factors that have really undone them uh, and prevented them from being at their cohesive best. Um, so I, I don't think that they're in any more danger than they would necessarily be uh, in seasons past. I still, I still think a 12th, 13th place finish is realistic. I don't think that coming into the season they're going to be in as much trouble uh, as they perhaps had been. Jiku did play against Bordeaux, and that was uh, Bordeaux was uh, in midweek, and that was indeed his first game since late August. And let's not forget Skilacci, who's uh, out for the season, I believe. Yes, and that's a massive blow. This is one of the main. I mean, probably the only reason why I think Bastia may be in trouble because uh, they do have um, do have a good uh, a good deal um, of uh, decent decent players, decent defenders, midfielders. Sam Maxima is uh, is having a, a good season as well. Uh, would would take would take a lot, especially uh, when uh, with the new playoff hall coming in. I mean, you do have sides like um, like Nossi and Metz um, who are 
a bit more transparent at the back, I would say. And uh, I'd be surprised if Bastia would finish below as a, those two uh, those two sides, Nossi and Metz. Hmm. And it's and not. And, yeah. Well, that, that yeah. depends. <laughs> What a what a perfect segue, Eric, is because we finished tonight with the sacking of René Girard at Nantes. Uh, he's finished with some kind of flurry, if you want to call it that. A six-nil hammering at the hands of Lyon did it really after a, a six games without a win. <sighs> Philip, was this the right move for the club? They've been absolutely dire, shall we say, for, especially in the last month and a half. Well, they've been dying for three years to watch. Uh, they've uh, they've had the worst attacking record of the past two seasons under Der Zakayan. But say what you were about Der Zakayan. He took the club, he put he put them in Liga, and he ensured them to for them to stay in mid-table mediocrity and not have anything to worry about relegation. Uh, then they uh, decided to part way with Der Zakayan, and I think it was more of a more saying, okay, we've we've worked together for a couple of years, three years or four years, I don't remember exactly. I said, okay, let's part ways, let's try something else. You go, you go and do your stuff at, at another club. He's he's doing a he's doing a decentish job at Reims, even even though I, I reckon he should be doing a bit better with uh, the kind of player he has, and we'll try and do something better with uh, another guy. And that other guy was René Girard, who's, uh, who has had a terrible experience at Lille and, is, and has had a terrible experience at Nantes. I mean, we did all call it. We did, we did all say this is not a good fix uh, between a manager who's extremely negative and a side that has uh, a lot of trouble scoring for the past, uh, for the past two seasons. You know, it was, I mean, it was, it was predictable. We, 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 we weren't geniuses on, on that one. It just it just was uh, so so predictable. You look at you look at their goals four column. Uh, is it the uh, worst attack of the league? Nine goals. Yes, it's yeah, they've, yeah, they've it scored is. one goal for every loss they've had this season. That's pretty. Yeah, that's pretty. Yep, that's that's not even in double figures yet. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Um, and um, yeah, so no, uh, I think that uh, November is a good. Uh, it's uh, something I read uh, today online. November is a good. Is a good. Um, Months to sack your manager. Then uh, you you put the new man in, and uh, he has a month to assess the squad. He has a month to uh, get uh, completely uh, uh, murdered by other teams until the winter break. And then the winter break, he can he can regroup and say, okay, we need a striker, we need this, we need that. When in Nott's case, we would say probably need three strikers. So, yeah, I think it's a good move. And I haven't no, I haven't thought about anyone who who might replace him yet. <laughs> That's the that's the worrying part of it, isn't it? But uh, Eric, it's it was kind of an obvious move, really, and, and we alluded to it on Thursday that there were talks, and it was finally the axe was swung, sort of, swung sort of Friday, and and two 0 loss at the weekend sort of confirms that this side weren't really moving in the right way. And was it really the right move to appoint Girard in the first place? Like like Philip mentioned with with his defensive tendencies and and their certain definite struggles in front of goal that have repeated themselves this season. No, I don't think so. I think that we should look back to his last, uh, her, his appointment rather at Lille and, and how, how poorly that went. Uh, we should look at him being a manager who's uh, good for getting, getting the best out of a team that in an, perhaps in an overly negative way, but it just, there's no concordance for me between the signs that not made this summer uh, an emphasis on youth in this team and Girard's reputation for uh, developing young talent, and which is non-existent. And, and this is the thing, you know, not have 
Alexis Dubois, Amin Harit, Hannah Kwateng, uh, Stepinski, the young, young player they signed, um, Thomason, Rangier, uh, and even the players they brought in, uh, Nikolai Thompson. Uh, there's, there's a lot of younger talent in this team. The young uh, backup goalkeeper, Maxime Dupe, is another one who, for whom big things have been, been expected. Uh, someone with a, a more defined reputation developing youth would have made more sense. Uh, I know Remy Gard might have been damaged goods after his time at Villa, but I think that we can see now his reputation for bringing through youth and an eye for young talent at Leon, and that he would have been reaping the rewards of players that he had given initial chances to uh, for the past three seasons. Uh, he, he would have been a good option. Uh, similarly to Hubert Fournier, who, who I think did really well to place the amount of trust he did in, in Nabil Fekir and Quentin Tolisso, and we're looking at the, the development of those two as being you know, some of the you know, brightest prospects that France has seen in a while. And, you know, bringing in a player, a manager of that, of that nature, I, I think would have made the most sense in the summer. Uh, and, you know, given they're both available, I, I think that, you know, not wanting to go with experience, but, but to what end? You know, I think that a lot of times clubs in France will look to a manager's experience rather than what their actual profile is as a manager. If we say, oh, he's an attacking manager, he, he trusts kids, uh, he's a defensive manager, that, that because, because Fran clubs in France are often so bereft of money that a, a manager's suitability for the squad on hand needs to be taken into account more than, uh, as, as well as, as vis-a-vis a manager's proclivities, I should say. So that is to say, uh, a manager's style needs to be selected as the highest priority in hiring, not a manager's experience. Because experience is well and good, but how a player can get the most out of a squad without much of an opportunity to specifically change it, it has to be the overarching thing of most importance in, in, in selecting a manager. Unless you're in Monaco, uh, you know, or a PSG that has the, uh, the opportunity to, to, to be flexible in building a squad. Yeah, I think Adrian Thomason's red card at the weekend summed up not so season perfectly. If it was lazy, it was too late to the party. And to be frank, it seemed to be out of pity that the referee decided to red card him in the end rather than the actual ferocity of the challenge. But that's all the time we have time for this week. My thanks to Eric and Philip. Join us for the preview show on Thursday and we will see you here at the same time, same place next week. Abianto and goodbye.